this is the show that's all about the South. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Hey there, I'm John Rawl. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday edition as we get our way through another part of the, the work week. And we're now day number two of what we hope will be a rather short week for you if you're out there working hard. We, we hope this show makes you get through the week a lot quicker. And we enjoy giving you this dosage of all Southern content. Coming up on the Y'all Show today, in hour two, we're going to have our sports land yap. We're going to look around the world of college football, and we're going to talk about some of the smaller colleges out there. UCF, man, they're not the smallest college in the South. In fact, they're the second largest college in America, I think. They may be the largest, but at least the way they get stacked up in football, the Knights are not part of the Power Five. They're in the Group of Five. And they escaped the monsoon in Memphis this past weekend. They should have been defeated by the Tigers, but they were not. And now UCF moves on, still undefeated. We'll talk about the Knights, and we'll discuss other goings-on in college football. And we'll talk about the North Carolina A&T Aggies. They've been a very good team this year in FCS football, but they lost a home game this past weekend to Florida A&M. The Rattlers went up to... Greensboro, North Carolina, and got a big upset. We'll tell you about that in hour two in our sports land. Yep, we'll also give you the latest with the Major League Baseball playoffs that are going on right now. You got NLCS action, and of course, the ALCS picks up again today. We'll tell you about that coming up in the sports land. Yep, also in hour two, we've got the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Hermans. He'll be stopping by with a report, and he hasn't given me a heads up of where we're going to f- focus on this week. Last week, we talked about North Carolina vinegar-based barbecue, and man, I'm still still trying to get over that. I had to go buy me some faux North Carolina sauce over the week and just get through the week with some vinegar-based sauce that was not authentic, and I need to have a discussion sometime with Matt when you kind of buy the honor, honorable mention type barbecue sauce out there and you don't get the real McCoy. I hope he isn't going to think less of me, but he, he probably will, that old boy. I don't know what we're going to do with him, but the Barrister Bodacious Barbecue coming up in hour two. Later this hour, we're going to actually talk a little politics here on the show, and we're going to start out with some news going on in Georgia with the governor's race there. Also, we're going to talk about the president was in Georgia Monday. He, he started out in Florida. He went down there around Mexico Beach and inland a little bit, had the media follow him around a bit. Then he went over to Georgia and he made a stop in Macon, and we're going to hear some of the audio where President Trump was speaking alongside the current governor, Nathan Deal, of the state of Georgia. Also, you have former governor Sonny Perdue as part of that presser, and those two talked a lot about agriculture. In fact, the commissioner of agriculture from the state of Georgia, Gary Black, is also in this soundbite. We'll be playing that. You'll get a good informational dosage of what the storm did as it came inland into south Georgia and even in Macon, in the center part of the state of Georgia, lots of damage, especially to crops. And if you like a good pecan or pecan pie, chances are when you go to the grocery store to get your next bag of pecans, you're going to be paying a lot more because there's going to be, it looks like maybe a shortage of pecans and peanuts and more. You will get a little bit of info on that when we hear that audio from the president and the officials from Georgia in just a few minutes here on the program. And then we're going to talk a little bit later this hour about gerrymandering. You know, that's a subject that is very contentious across the South, especially when 
state legislatures get involved with drawing the congressional boundaries. And North Carolina has had their fair share of, of coverage about gerrymandering. And I found a clip over the last couple of days from an organization called Now This News. And they did a great report on the kind of confused state it is in North Carolina when it comes to the drawing of boundaries. And we actually just mentioned North Carolina A&T, their football team. Well, the campus of North Carolina A&T is a, it's a historically black college in Greensboro. It's the largest HBCU in the country with about 12,000 students. And that campus is literally split in two with two different districts in the North Carolina congressional map. And we'll discuss that. We'll play some audio from this report that I found over the weekend to give you a little bit more information on gerrymandering and how that affects politics. We've got the midterm elections coming up in a couple of weeks, and one of the things that happens when the state legislatures get together and draw these maps out, well, it affects how people vote, and it, it there's some real ammunition for the people who are critical of the way these state legislatures, like in North Carolina, draw these maps. So we'll have that coming up before we get out of here this hour on the Y'all Show. If you want to reach out to us, we welcome that. Our number is 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. would love to hear from you here on this program all about the South. Hurricane Michael continues to remain our number one story from throughout the region in the aftermath and cleanup from Hurricane Michael. And out of the devastation where we've seen approximately 20 people now lose their life and thousands of people still without power, but that number is getting better. I, I don't have the firm estimate for Florida, but I know they've had a great improvement getting power restored to the areas devastated by Michael. And I know in Georgia, I saw a number where it was around 97% of homes now have their power restored as it was such a, a force moving across the Peach State last week. So that's good news. We still have a lot of people missing. And I'm sure you might have seen stories coming out where social media, people are using social media to try to reach out to loved ones or friends and find out where they are and how they need to get in touch with their loved ones. As Verizon was the number one cell phone provider in Panama City and at Mexico Beach, well, it looks like their entire network went down after Michael came through. AT&T, I've been told, still has coverage in that part of the panhandle. So if you have an AT&T phone, you probably can connect with a loved one or friend if they have one as well. But man, what devastation that we've seen. And the president was down in Florida on Monday and you saw him walking around and he said how words really can't describe what it really is like until you're actually on the ground. Pictures and flying over it just don't mean as much until you see it and the carnage from the from the storm and luckily we're, we're still talking about roughly 25 to 30 people are missing we hope they're all found but we still right now have like i said around 20 people that have died from hurricane michael that's t- that's a terrible number that really is but when you consider how strong the storm was i'm actually surprised we're not talking about a much higher number especially considering how that storm happened so fast and people didn't really have the full couple of days to prepare and and evacuate and I know I was listening Monday to some officials talk and the Air Force base there at Panama City Tyndall they got told to evacuate at five o'clock on Monday 
and the base had a lock across its gate at three o'clock the next day. So they had 20, was it 22 hours to clear out? That included getting all their planes sent off to other places. In fact, we'll talk about that in hour two, or actually in the next segment when we have President Trump audio. He gets a question asked about Tyndall Air Force Base and the fact that there were some planes, evidently, that were destroyed or severely damaged. And these are multi, multi-million dollar planes that uh, were affected by this, costing taxpayers the money for that. And the president has an answer for that. So stick around. We'll let him do the explaining as there, there's actually a good excuse why these planes were still on the ground in Florida and not somewhere else as Michael came through last week. But one story I, I noticed, you might have seen this, but it was a pretty amazing thing to see. A family in Florida needed help, and they decided to get some logs and put them down on the ground and spell out the word HELP, H-E-L-P, because they had a family member who works for NOAA, and this person, Amber Gee, was scanning NOAA satellite maps, and when she checked on her grandmother's property there in the panhandle of Florida, she noticed the logs had been put out there to spell the word HELP. G thought that her grandmother and two other relatives had evacuated before the storm hit, but that was not the case, and they needed help. And her uncle, his wife, and a friend of theirs ended up staying at the house in Youngstown, Florida, about 20 miles northeast of Panama City, and they became trapped due to a lot of downed trees near their home. And they, uh, after seeing this, she was able to contact the Bay County Emergency Management officials who sent deputies to the home and rescued the group. But yeah, what an amazing scene, seeing this picture from space showing the words help spelled out there in the ground. And luckily the the G family now getting uh, the kind of attention they need after being stranded from Hurricane Michael. And fortunately, lots of stories like that across the Carolinas, Florida, Virginia, and Alabama even, as well as the state of Florida. Now, remember Hurricane Florence? We can't forget about Florence. Well, North Carolina lawmakers have now approved $400 million in spending for the recovery efforts from Hurricane Florence, which came through in, what was that, late September when Hurricane Florence came through and caused all of the flooding throughout eastern North Carolina. And people are just now getting back. I saw where one of the main rivers just got below flood level yesterday, I think it was reported. So, Getting back, and and luckily the storm from last week, Michael, wasn't as bad as it could have been to those flood-ravaged areas of North Carolina. But North Carolina now getting a lot of money coming in and going to those who need help from Hurricane Florence recovery. And the last thing you want me to talk about here on the Y'all Show is another tropical disturbance. Well, indeed, there is something brewing in the Caribbean. Now, forecasters think it will not have an effect on the American South. But the National Hurricane Center is tracking a new weather system in the southwest Caribbean, and it has a medium chance of forming into a tropical depression, and it's expected to move inland, but it's going to move inland, according to forecasters, into Central America. But with these things, you never know. It could go into Central America, that bounce off coast, come back, and you could be looking for, in Texas to have problems from this tropical disturbance. We'll keep our eye It doesn't have a name yet. That's a good thing. But luckily, the forecasters are aware of this disturbance way in the west of the Caribbean right now. And we just want it to go away as fast as possible if if we can make that happen. 
Well, more news on Sears. Remember Sears? We've told you here at least once about closings this company's had. Sears and their sister company, Kmart, they've had an enormous problem here in the last couple of years, mainly due to online retailers and such. Well, Sears had to file for bankruptcy this week, and they're going to close a bunch more stores across the entire country. I think it's around 200 that they're closing. And unfortunately, that's going to be some of your favorite stores in the South will be affected by this. And let me rattle off a few Sears store closings that are going to be in the South before I move over to some Kmart stores that will also be closing in the next few days, if not closed already. Goldsboro, North Carolina is losing a Sears. So is the Sears in Pineville, North Carolina, Westminster, Maryland, Columbia, Maryland, the Hamilton Place Sears in Chattanooga will be closing, Cross Creek Mall location in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the mall in Gadsden, Alabama's Sears will be closing, the Bowling Green, Kentucky Sears will be closing, the Sears on Main Street in Norman, Oklahoma closing, the Sears at the Louisville, Oklahoma Outer Loop location in Louisville, Kentucky will be closing, Frisco, Texas Sears Closing Clarksville, Tennessee, that mall there on Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. The Sears there closing. I've been to that location. Harlingen, Texas, closing down. The Sears in the mall in Morgantown, West Virginia, was shutting down. Also, the Lubbock, Texas location. Austin, Texas, location on 41st Street, shutting down. In Ingram, Texas, the Sears closing there. And you also have in Bowie, Maryland, um, Sears closing in Cordova, Tennessee on Germantown Parkway. The Sears shutting down there in Melbourne, Florida. Panama City, Florida. It probably got destroyed anyway last week, sadly. Hampton, Virginia shutting down. Ocala, Florida. Also stores in Irving, Texas. You also have the Woodland Hills, Oklahoma location shutting down. In Victoria, Texas. In Austin Barton Creek, Texas. And Westtown, Tennessee Sears clo- stores closing. And Kmart locations that will be shutting down in the south include Western Boulevard in Raleigh, North Carolina, Waynesboro, Virginia, Kmart, shutting its doors. You also have Asheville, North Carolina, Patton Avenue's store shutting down. The Oxon Hill, Maryland, Kmart is going to close its doors. In Rock Hill, South Carolina, the Kmart there on Cherry Road will be closing. I hate this. I'm a former Kmart employee. This really bothers me to talk about these closures. Charleston, West Virginia, shutting its doors in Florissant, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis, shutting its doors. Gainesville, Florida's Kmart is going to close. And Malden, South Carolina location will be closing. The Maynardsville Pike location in Knoxville, Tennessee, shutting down. Prairie View Road in Kansas City, shutting down. Springfield, Virginia's Kmart is closing. Peachtree City, Kmart, shutting down. Covington, Georgia, Statesville, North Carolina, Miami on 8th Street is going to close. The Kmart also shutting down in Russell Springs, Kentucky, and in Grayson, Kentucky, as well as Williamsburg, Virginia. And please don't let there be any more. Okay, one more. Metairie, Louisiana, on Veterans Memorial, shutting down Kmart. So Kmart and Sears going bye-bye for the most part across the country now. It looks like a few stores will remain, including the one in my hometown where I work when I was a lad. So good news there. I was clock number 91, in case you were wondering. And I put on a mean blue light special back in the day. All right, tragic news coming from Middle Tennessee overnight in Murray County, where Columbia, Tennessee is located. Police there say that it looks like an apparent murder-suicide happened on Carter's Creek Pike 
And according to the district attorney, Brent Cooper, five are confirmed dead and it appears to be a mother and four children. Again, this was in Columbia, Tennessee, in Murray County. Five people dead in an apparent murder-suicide overnight. We'll have more on that as the details come out. In Columbia, South Carolina, a man who drove his car into a group of mourners last year at a cemetery, hurting 11 of them, thankfully not killing anyone, he was sentenced yesterday to 80 years in prison. James Kester was called a terrorist by the sentencing judge after he attacked the people at the July 2017 graveside service because he held a grudge against the Department of Mental Health for years over the treatment of his late daughter. This jury found him guilty last week, and he was sentenced of he was sentenced for the uh, 80 years in prison. But the jury did acquit him of attempted murder charges, according to the local newspaper in Columbia. But he was found guilty on counts of assault and battery, and he'll be going to jail for quite some time. And hitting him with his car at a graveside service is just bad news there. Sad news from the state of Florida. An unvaccinated child has died after coming down with the flu, and it's the first influenza-associated pediatric death reported for the 2018-2019 flu season. The child, who's not been identified, tested positive for influenza B at a local health care provider. The death of the unvaccinated child was reported during the first week of flu season, which was back September 30th through the 6th of October. The officials in Florida say the child did not have any underlying medical conditions. But, yeah, I think I saw where in 2017-18, the last flu season, we lost around 200 kids nationwide to the flu. Please go get your flu shot. I know it doesn't always help, but it's a good proactive thing to do to get your pediatric flu shot if you've got little ones. And I think, think, honestly, adults should probably get it too. I got one last year, and it, it helped, I think. This is a disturbing story coming from Columbus, Georgia. A former West Virginia University football player who had a cup of coffee with the Atlanta Falcons over the summer but was cut before the season started. He's now been arrested, and he's been charged with aggravated child molestation. Justin Crawford was arrested after a 12-year-old girl told her mother Crawford had sex with her over the weekend in his Columbus, Georgia home. And just, just disturbing facts coming out there. Uh, the officials say that Crawford has first denied having sex, then later said it was the girl's idea. And he played for WVU for two seasons before he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Falcons before being released. In fact, he had signed with this new startup league, the Atlanta Legends of the Alliance of American Football, but has now been waived after this arrest. So bad news for this man and, and terrible that he may have been guilty of this in Georgia. If you like riding bikes and you're in East Baton Rouge, Louisiana, bad news because West Feliciana Parish has new rules that are going to keep you from maybe having the kind of traditional bike race if you like to ride a bicycle. Not not a motorized bike, the old-fashioned one that takes a lot of muscle and sweat. Bicycle races have been canceled in this area after new rules were imposed in a parish after a councilman from there was killed while riding a bike and West Feliciana Parish in the Baton Rouge area imposed these rules to improve safety after the death back in June of East Baton Rouge Metro Councilman Buddy Amoroso and in St. Francisville where they have a race each year and that's right on the east bank of the Mississippi River, a lovely place, historic place. 
they've had to cancel a long-time bicycle race, and they're protesting the rules. But these rules include requiring bicyclists to wear fluorescent garments and ride single file in groups of 10 or fewer. This race in St. Francisville had been held for 19 years, and visitors came from all over the world to participate in this race. It went 105 miles through the back roads of Louisiana and up into Mississippi. And the organizers canceled the event two days after the parish council approved this new ordinance to have bike safety in this parish in Louisiana. And I've had a friend die on a bicycle. And I tell you, it's so dangerous out there. And I don't blame the bicyclists. I blame the drivers. People aren't paying attention. So if you like to ride a bicycle, and God bless you, it, it takes a lot of courage to get out there on a bike. But I, I just couldn't do it. I just don't trust drivers. And I know there should be safe areas where you can ride a bike. I just don't know where those areas are. The guy that I know that was riding a bike, he got killed on the Natchez Trace in a very rural portion of the Natchez Trace where someone from that same area wasn't paying attention and hit him driving his car, and it was just a young kid. But my my friend died, and that was in a, a kind of a restricted area where the speed limit was like 50 miles per hour. But you can still get killed very easily by automobiles. So, uh, I know, I guess the best thing is get a treadmill. But I don't even want to do that. Maybe you all have one. At least I don't think you'll be hit. You'll get hit by a car on a treadmill if that's the route you want to go. But don't go to that area of Baton Rouge attempting to be in the the race this week if you want to be in that race. We haven't had one of these in a while. A D U M M dumb person. Well, we had a man in Houston, Texas, this week. A Houston man's accused of crashing his car into a TV news van and then tried to carjack the crew of this Houston TV station, I think it's Channel 9, there in Houston, Texas, KPRC, the NBC affiliate. But he decided to instead try to steal a police car, and then officials later found him and arrested him. I don't have his name, but the incident happened in the city's central business district, and the reporter and the photographer were on their way to cover a story about the Houston Astros, and were stopped at a red light when a car sideswiped their van, and he tried to take their truck, tried to carjack them, in fact, the reporter for that TV stations, but uh, two officers nearby tried to help out. But then he attacked the him, them and jumped in their police vehicle and took off. So we have him in custody, thankfully, but what a twist to a story as these folks were going to do a nice feel-good story on the NL, I'm sorry, they're in the American League now, the ALCS foe Houston Astros, and they host the Boston Red Sox in Houston today. We'll tell you about that at the Sports Landing app portion of our hour, too. But we got this idiot in jail now after he calls quite a scene for the folks from KPRC in Houston on Monday. We'll go to a break. When we come back, we're going to switch over to some political talk. We'll hear from President Trump as well as the governor of Georgia, Nathan Deal, the former governor of Georgia, Sonny Perdue, and other officials who were in the Peach State Monday after they had gone down to Florida. We'll get a report on agriculture in the state of Georgia and how that's affected by Hurricane Michael. And then as we roll on in this hour, we're going to talk about gerrymandering in the state of North Carolina as we have our political focus here on this Tuesday edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We see it every day. They cut you off, and they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. 
They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th. Only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. back to y'all talk with a southern accent on this tuesday edition and if you want to join us here via twitter anytime you're welcome to do that we actually send a link out each and every day with the link to hear our show so if you miss our show you want to go back and listen to it or you want to share what you've just heard here on the y'all show with a friend it's absolutely free go to at y'all show on twitter and you can see what kind of posts we put out but again each and every day we send the link out with the free link to listen. And you can pause it. You can take a phone call from a friend or family. Or maybe you can tell a friend or family member that you're talking to on the phone. Hey, you need to let me go because i got to get back to listen to Y'all Show with John Rawl. That's, that's what you should do. Use us as your excuse anytime you need to get out of a, a, a conversation you don't want to be a part of. Which, frankly, isn't that most conversations? <laughs> I mean, how many times are you like, Golly, I just can't, I can't handle if I had to stop talking to this person. I don't know what I'm going to do. Most time you talk to people, you're like, okay, I'm ready to, to move on and go back to my happy space and, and not talk to anybody and listen to John on the y'all show. <laughs> we know that's how you probably truly feel. Well, even if you don't feel that way, thank you for tuning us in here on this show all about the South. Well, on Tuesdays, when we are able to, we like to talk a little political stuff with you here on the y'all show we are now three weeks away from the midterm primary of november 6 that will be here before we know it i know early voting's already going on in most places so register if it's not too late and if it is too late don't forget to vote or if you're going to do the early absentee balloting go do that right now and get it out so you'll be done with it but it is our right as americans to vote and you should cast your vote and I don't need another AARP commercial. You know what I'm talking about? Every time I cut on the television, it doesn't matter what channel, I see that AARP commercial to vote. And it's driving me bonkers. Now, AARP is a left-leaning organization. So I really don't like seeing that commercial too often. And uh, and it just reminds me that they're trying to get out the left to, to vote in this upcoming election. But regardless of which side you are, you need to vote. So vote. And I don't need to hear a commercial every single time. Here on the Y'all Show, we really don't get too political except on Tuesdays in this little feature here. And we, we try to cover both sides. So here, in the spirit of politics, 
we will get into what's going on in the South right now. And we start out in Virginia, where Dave Brad is a congressman there in the Richmond area, and he's in a tough battle right now in the 7th Congressional District in Virginia as he's facing off against Democrat Abigail Sparnberger. Now, officials in Virginia think that, that seat can flip. Remember, Brat really came out of nowhere about six years ago. Remember he beat Eric Cantor, who was really the heir apparent to maybe even become the Speaker of the House. He was a big Republican congressman in, in Virginia and was really a shining star. Might have even been a whip in Washington, D.C., from what I remember. And in the primary, Dave Bratt out-Republicaned him, out-conservated him, and, and Ganter, man, we haven't heard anything from this guy in a couple of years. Dave Bratt just socked it to him. But Bratt's being challenged right now, and of course, if you know anything about Virginia politics, it's certainly gotten a little bit radical and a little bit left in some parts of northern Virginia, for sure, in the last couple of years. So Dave Bratt's in a real fight right now, and that's one district there, the 7th Congressional District in Virginia to keep an eye on as a battleground district in the upcoming election. In Tennessee, man, they've got a heated race going on for the Senate seat that Bob Corker is abandoning. And a Facebook post from three years ago is now coming back to bite Mark Brown. He's the communication director for Tennessee Victory 2018. That's a group backing Phil Bredesen, the Democratic challenger, to Republican Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn for the Senate seat in the state of Tennessee. And in this Facebook post from three years ago, this man said that white male gun nuts are the biggest terrorist organization on the planet. And that is not the kind of thing that uh, Phil Bredesen needs to have coming out here in the days leading up to the general election in, in November. And this person put this... Uh, that's white male gun owners as American gun nuts. And as I said, called them the biggest terrorist organization in America. This was from three years ago. And then he said some other very provocative things on the, on the social media stratosphere too. Mark Brown, a communications official for the Demo Tennessee Democratic Party. And he described Trump voters as idiots. Well, the funny thing is, Mr. Brown, who likes to call people who like guns idiots, I'm looking at a Phil Bredesen for Senate candidate tweet, and this was from September. And what would, what's Phil Bredesen doing in this photo? On his, It's actually a video. I guess you can watch it in action. He's shooting a gun, and he's got his little hunting attire on, I guess out bird hunting. So you might want to take it up with the boss there on the Democratic side. Phil Bredesen's got a knucklehead working for him, or indirectly working for him, maybe. Georgia's governor race, it's getting ugly. And if you've seen the news over the weekend, Stacey Abrams, the Democratic nominee, has called on her challenger to the governor's seat that's being vacated by Nathan Deal, and that's Brian Kemp, to resign from his position there in the state of Georgia. Uh, he's a state official, kind of looks out over the elections and such, and she's claiming that he's helping to ostracize would-be Democratic voters with some of the policies that are going on. And he's calling it, he's just following the law of Georgia. Well, now, Stacey Abrams is, well, he's going on the attack, frankly. 
uh, Kemp's had enough of her attacks. And this is something that predated the election. Stacey Abrams had been in the state legislature in Atlanta, and she was in the legislature, and she was very concerned about voter disenfranchisement for a long time. And now on the heels of having this election in just a couple of days, it's really turned into an ugly scene. Now, Kemp says that even if you're on this listing of people who've had a discrepancy with their name on the voter rolls, you can still vote. All you got to do is show uh, proper ID or something like that. I don't live in Georgia, so I don't know all the rules that Georgia's made. But Kemp and Abrams are going to be a fantastic election night result to see what happens there. Now, Abrams was in the news yesterday. She marched in a lesbian LBGTQ parade in Atlanta. I hope I got that right. Now, Miss Abrams was in the news Monday. She marched in a gay pride parade in Atlanta, becoming the first gubernatorial nominee to ever march in a gay pride parade in the state of Georgia. Now, I didn't know this. She actually grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi, one of six children, and she is a lesbian. I didn't realize she was an official lesbian come out of the closet, but she would become not only the first black woman elected, if elected on November 6th in the state of Georgia, she would be, I guess, the first open lesbian governor in, or gay governor. I, maybe we've had some in the past. I'm not aware of any, but that would be the case. Is Stacey Abrams historic there? And I got a feeling a lot of people in Georgia aren't really trying to make history with this election uh, on both sides of the aisle, perhaps. But yeah, that uh, that was the news from Monday as she was in that parade in, in Atlanta for gay pride. Now, not far from Atlanta, President Trump was in Macon and flew into Robbins Air Force Base in central Georgia. And he was there uh, talking to a couple of former governors and the current governor of Georgia. That's Nathan Deal. As the president stopped by Georgia on his way back to Washington, he went down to, he flew into Fort Walton Beach to the airport Eglin Air Force Base and then got a helicopter over to the Mexico Beach area went inland a little bit, toured, met with people, gave out water, shook hands, did the traditional thing politicians do after a horrible storm like Hurricane Michael, then went into Georgia, made a stop in Georgia, and he had a press conference. Now, he, he talked to the press a lot in Florida, but one press conference, I didn't get a lot of this on uh, last night's news, for example, was what he said in Georgia. And we're going to play that now. Let's not forget about the Georgia folks who were affected by Hurricane Michael in a big way, too. And this is the president here in this clip we're going to hear talking in Macon, Georgia. He actually went to a Red Cross building there in Macon, Georgia on Monday. And you're going to hear from the president. You're going to hear from the current governor, Nathan Deal. You're going to hear from former governor of Georgia, Sonny Perdue, who is in the Trump cabinet as the agricultural secretary in Washington, D.C., you're also going to hear from Gary Black. He's the Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of Georgia. And you may hear also here in this clip Brock Long, the head of FEMA, as they all talk in Georgia after the president stopped by Monday. And a lot of this is going to be agriculture-related, but it gives you an idea of what Michael did in Georgia. Let's listen to that now on The Y'all Show. Sonny Perdue has been an incredible Secretary of Agriculture. And Sonny, how about saying a little bit? I want to reiterate what Governor Deal said, President. Your administration is making a reputation for being more connected to your state and local partners than any other administration I can ever remember. Uh, Commissioner Black, Governor, uh, I've experienced this as well. 
all the way from local community leaders to state legislators to governors your you know, people you've appointed in your office are reaching out here making people feel like we have truly one government and that's uh, that is a wonderful part to be a part of that and i want to thank, thank you for you. allowing us to do that because it makes a difference when people undergo situations like this not even in disasters they're connected but when they go through like this they feel like they've got a lifeline to fema to secretary nielsen to any of your administration and to you particularly and we, we want to thank i'm glad to be a part of that and uh, we, Commissioner Black and I toured some of the ag area yesterday. There are tremendous losses, but our farmers are resilient. We're gonna help them, you're gonna help them, and they'll be okay. Well, let me ask you this, Sonny and Commissioner. When Brock says uh, generational damage, that I don't like the sound of generational damage. What does that mean, and how long does that take to get back? As we were talking coming up on pecan trees particularly. These trees typically start bearing about seven years after they're planted. And then they don't reach economic profitability until about 10 years. So that's what we're talking about. That's half a generation that's there. These farmers, many, many percentages of pecan trees across the country, across the state down in Southwest Georgia were toppled. And those that weren't toppled, the, the nuts have gone blown, blown off. So they were looking for bumper crop and cotton and pecans and peanuts and the devastation there is heartbreaking to hear and to yeah. feel. And you'll talk to some farmers later today. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Um, Mr. President, thank you. Thank God you. bless you. Thank you for being here. It, uh, we lead the nation in peanut production, pecan production, forest product production. Uh, we're leaders in vegetable. Uh, that's production. Uh, today we're leading in destruction, unfortunately. We will lead and rebuild it. No doubt about it. And uh, it's, uh, I, I have members from the uh, Intergovernmental Relations from the White House. I had two telephone calls while the winds were still blowing. Yeah. And I've had the good fortune the last year and a half or so to, to be in and out some in places where uh, folks who do the job I do have never, uh, never had the opportunity. The governor, used to, the secretary used to say that agriculture when he was the governor and when Governor Deal, we, we get to come in the front door. And oftentimes it's been the back door. And, it, and it's front certainly door. been, it's not been that way. And we're grateful to you. And I, I promise you, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to work. We do have an outstanding group of people for you to visit personally with this afternoon. Okay, I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing some of the farmers. They're great people and we will do that. And that is true. Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer, and a nice man. He is a nice man met him on numerous occasions and you think about it that's what he did right peanuts so it's great and that was from late monday in macon georgia president donald trump talking to the media alongside the governor of georgia nathan deal the former governor and current agricultural secretary of the u.s and that would be sonny purdue you also heard from the current georgia commissioner of agriculture gary black and brock long the head of fema they all talked about the destruction brought on in Georgia by Hurricane Michael, especially on the crops, and pecans, peanuts, and more all will be affected, the prices for sure, in the coming months, if not years, as a result of this devastating storm in South Georgia last week. Now, you may have heard the President also talk about the destruction at Tyndall Air Force Base, which is in Panama City, and there were those planes that were left there getting repaired, F-22s, and the President did a good job of explaining what happened there but i know taxpayers 
help foot the multi-million dollar planes and we don't like to see them destroyed or, or damaged at all. So we hope that all gets solved as quickly as possible. Most of the flight, most of the planes there were able to fly out of Tyndall into other locations across the country to escape the damage of Hurricane Michael. But keep in mind, again, this thing came really out of nowhere over the course of about two or three days. And I, Godspeed to everybody that got out of there. And hopefully those who are still unaccounted for will show up in some way, shape, or form okay. And we'll keep our loss of life to a very, very much of minimum, if at all possible here, as our fellow Southerners are, are struggling in many states right now as a result of Hurricane Michael. And again, go to redcross.org and make a donation to help. When we come back, we're going to keep the political talk coming up. The word of the day is gerrymandering. I know you've heard of it, but we'll talk about how in the state of North Carolina that really is on display, and a lot of people are fighting hard to change that. And on the campus of North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, it's very obvious how crazy gerrymandering can be. That's coming up next here on The Y'all Show. GEICO presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Belinda Collins, live on the scene of a recent lightning storm, here to describe the event, a TV tray. I was watching football and holding a plate of meatloaf when kabam! A bolt of lightning slams into the apartment, blowing out the TV and surround sound. Anything you could have done to help? Ma'am, I'm a foldable table, not an electrician. Your TV tray can't help you in a lightning storm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Go to GEICO.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Talking with a southern accent. That's what we do best here on the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. We're continuing the political discussion here on the program. Keep your radio dial right where it is in hour two. Going to start out with a little sports land yap, talking all types of college football news and notes. And then we'll have the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Hermans, dropping by with a report on all good things food. You don't want to miss that delicious discussion coming up. In just a few minutes here on the program that's all about the South. All right, we're going to start out this segment talking political stuff, but we're going to start out improving our IQ slightly. Are you okay with that? Yeah, okay, I thought you would be. And we're going to start out talking a little vocabulary. Y'all ready for some big words? Well, first, let me give props to Stacey Abrams, the Democratic candidate in the state of Georgia. We talked about her in the previous segment. She's in a race right now for that election, and it's in three weeks. Should be a fun watch, fun one to watch here coming up in a couple of days. But I, I heard an interview with her over the weekend, and she threw out a fancy word, and I had to go look it up. So as a courtesy to all y'all, thanks to Stacey Abrams in Georgia, who grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi, good Mississippi education for her, here's a word she used that I had to go look up. Like, I've heard the word, but what, what does it mean, okay? And this is the first two words here in our Big Word Tuesday, okay? Miasma. That's the word she used. And Okay, what does that mean? Miasma is a noun, and it means a highly unpleasant or unhealthy smell or vapor. All right. Synonym would be stench or also odor. Okay, she could have used those more easily understood words, but she used the word miasma. So congratulations, Miss Abrams, for your fancy word on television this past week, and I feel a lot smarter now. Now, the second word, maybe not quite as difficult, but this is the reason we're going to have this word now is because it's what we're going to talk about. And this word's gerrymander. I know you know that word. You've heard it, but what does it really mean? 
Well, the definition of the word gerrymander is manipulate the boundaries of an electoral constituency so as to favor one party or class. Well, that's pretty straightforward. That's when the legislature gets involved and changes the lines around to, to make it favor one party over the other, gerrymandering. All one word, not two words, gerrymander. Starts with a G, G-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N-D-E-R. Okay, now everybody feel smart about themselves now? You know how to spell gerrymander and you know about that other word too, good. Now, in North Carolina, man, the legislature there has been in lawsuit after lawsuit, I think it seems like, over gerrymandering. And it's a Republican-controlled state legislature in Raleigh. And I was goofing around, and I found this brand-new video that's been put out by Now This News. And it involves gerrymandering in the state of North Carolina. And they go to the campus of the uh, college in Greensboro known as North Carolina A&T. That is the largest historically black college in America. And go Aggies, by the way. And North Carolina A&T's campus is divided into two different congressional districts. And the reason for that, well, it's because of gerrymandering. So we're going to go listen to a portion of this feature from Now This News. I encourage you to go to YouTube and search for North Carolina gerrymandering from Now This News, and you can watch the entire video. They did a really good job of kind of getting in there and explaining what's going on. And this is, of course, an opinion from them, but I thought you might enjoy hearing about what's going on in the old North State in terms of gerrymandering. We see these crazy shapes and we look at the racial density maps and we're like, wow, it's a perfect match. It is to gain partisan advantage on the map. Like I'm 21. I just started voting. <laughs> so right, right. it just isn't supposed to be like this. So right now we're in District 6. Um, we're about to walk across the street into our next district, which is District 13. Um, this right here is the gerrymandered line that we're walking over. North Carolina A&T is the largest public historically black college or university in the country. Oftentimes when I'm going back and forth from classes, in the back of my mind, sometimes I distinctly recall thinking like, oh, I'm going across different districts. I explained it to one of my line brothers yeah, the other day, and um, the first question I got back is, how is that even legal? Um, I had to respond that it's actually not. North Carolina, first time since 1870 do you have a Republican legislature. In 2011, when the Republicans assumed power of the North Carolina legislature, they decided to draw redistricting plans for both chambers of the General Assembly and congressional districts that packed black voters into as few districts as possible, thus limiting their overall influence and political power. We knew from the get-go this wasn't right. We see these crazy-shaped districts with appendages and arms. We overlaid them over racial data and were like, wow, it's a perfect match. Every 10 years, the state redraws district lines. The last time this was done was in 2011. That's when a group sued the state, saying the new lines rely too heavily on race, calling them unconstitutional. Well, fast forward to February when a federal court agreed and required the state to draw new congressional maps. My district, the 12th district uh, in North Carolina, is the most gerrymandered district in the nation. The district initially, when I ran in 2014, spanned the corridor of 85. 
They call that a sort of a serpentine district, a snake district. In the middle of my re-election, the court determined that there had been racial gerrymandering by our legislature. And so both the congressional districts that were racial gerrymandered and the state legislative districts that were racial gerrymandered needed to be corrected. And when that happened in early 2016, Representative David Lewis was the head of the House side of the process. And during debate in the legislature, he unavowedly um, defined his goal. I propose that we draw the maps to give a partisan advantage to 10 Republicans and three Democrats, because I do not believe it's possible to draw a map with 11 Republicans and two. Democrats. It is to gain partisan advantage on the map. I want that criteria to be clearly stated and understood. He said, the courts have said we were guilty of racial gerrymandering, and so we're going to turn off the race button, not consider it at all, and we're just going to draw a partisan gerrymander because partisan gerrymandering isn't illegal. And that a video from Now This News on YouTube. Check it out if you get a chance. North Carolina gerrymandering, and we appreciate all the comments coming from North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, North Carolina. When we come back in hour two, we're going to talk about the North Carolina A&T Aggies. This is a team that beat East Carolina. They beat Jacksonville State to start the football season, but they got beat themselves this past weekend. What's going on with the Aggies? We'll also tell you about another college football game that I saw on television over the weekend. Final score, 92 to 12, a victory of 80 points. We'll tell you about that, plus other news and notes. We've got some injuries for, for SEC programs, and some players are done for the year. We'll have that info after the break, as well as in hour two, we're going to have Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. This is Y'all with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent. Dandling right through another hour of talk about the South. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Hello, hope you are doing well as we have just another hour of goodness coming your way. Hey, can you handle it? Of course you can. Of course you can. From Texas to Virginia, from Florida to old Mizzou, and all states in between, Kentucky to Alabama, Oklahoma to Maryland, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, let's see, Georgia, did we say Georgia? Mississippi, of course we're going to say Mississippi, and Arkansas too, we love you all, and Louisiana, Texas, yeah, I think we already said Texas, thank you for being on this show that covers the land of y'all. Here in this hour, we're going to talk the land of y'all and the land of great southern barbecue with Matt Hermans. he'll be our guest in the next segment And I know if Matt's coming on, it's going to be dang good. So hold on for some good Q talk and grilling talk. And I'm going to throw a surprise his way. Should I tell you what I'm going to ask him? Because I'm a big fan of this. And it kind of involves the grill. But usually people don't use a grill. But I think you can. And maybe it might be better this way. I'm going to talk to him about baked potatoes. I love a good baked potato. And it may be overkill to put a potato on a grill. But I'm sure the barrister knows a trick or two. And if it's okay to grill out on a grill with baked potatoes wrapped in aluminum foil, 
hey, I don't claim to be an expert on grilling. That's why we have Matt Herman's on. So we, we've got that coming your way just if you, you don't want to miss it. And, of course, don't forget, on Wednesday's Y'all Show, we'll be talking country music with Precious Harris. We had a good time last week on Music Row. And I think if the cards line up, we're going to be back on Music Row next week in our report. Not going to be there this week, but we're going to have Precious dial in from Nashville, Tennessee. And hopefully we'll be back on Music Row and do some more good country music. Maybe with enough luck, keep our fingers crossed, I'm going to invite someone on the show that you probably have heard of. I don't know who that's going to be. I'm constantly getting emails and press releases from older country music artists who are still trying to make their names be out there and, and be seen and heard. Maybe if I give them enough heads up, we can have them sit in and, and kind of help us co-host an hour of next week's show when we're on Music Row. If our if our stars align, and I just need one star, a country music star, to help me make that align for next week. So let's see what happens. We start out this hour with Sports Lanyap. What's going on? in college sports and when we have sports land yet we usually talk college football so let's start out with the latest news and notes from college football where we also focus on some of the little guys the guys don't get as much attention as the powerhouses but in the spirit of powerhouse football we do have some headlines and lsu is going to have to pull out a hundred thousand dollar check and write it to the southeastern conference office because they've been fined a hundred thousand dollars because fans rushed the field after the Tigers beat number two Georgia 36 to 16 at Death Valley on Saturday. The league announced this fine on Monday and this is because their 100,000 fine is because they already rushed the field once and I think the first offense is a $5,000 fine and it happened way back in 2014 when the Tigers beat their old rival the Mississippi Langsharks uh, who were the Ole Miss Rebels at that time but they were out there and, and rushed the field, and now they did it again. It's a hundred thousand fine. By the way, if they rush a third time, and this isn't just LSU, this is anybody in the SEC, a third violation could lead to a fine of up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Holy moly! And the SEC said the fines collected against the school for violating the competition area policy are deposited in the league's postgraduate scholarship fund. Well, I went to a SEC school for my postgraduate degree, and I didn't get any kind of fun. So I guess they weren't rushing the field back when I was getting my master's degree from a university in the SEC West, and I could have used uh, $250,000 to help pay for my bill. I'm not going to complain. I actually got a free ride. <laughs> I actually got paid to go to grad school uh, at the University of Mississippi. So, hey. I'm a, I'm a lucky guy. Maybe you don't realize if you if you get a undergrad degree and you do try to go to a, get a graduate degree, there, it's very common to have free money out there all over the place for graduate programs, and that's what I would uh, benefited from that. I had to work. I had to be a teaching assistant, but I, I enjoyed doing that, and I even did it, uh, taught journalism after I got my master's degree, and so there's little tricks to at least when it comes to graduate school, where you oftentimes don't have to pay for it. There's there's free money out there in a lot of different ways. So that's an incentive to finish college, then go get you another degree, and it'll look really good in your obituary one day. That's the only reason I went to grad school. All right, so LSU's got to pay up. And I think we just said the other day, Kentucky also had to give the league a $100,000 check for 
fans rushing on the field. But LSU, here, you shouldn't rush the field against Georgia. And the reason is they've got three big home games in a row in Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This Georgia game was the first of three, okay? Now, the one in between, the one this weekend, may not be as big a deal, but it's another big SEC opponent in Mississippi State this weekend. Don't rush the field this weekend. You shouldn't have rushed it last weekend, but you can rush it if you win this game next weekend. I think it's next weekend. Number one, Alabama, assuming they get past Tennessee, they go to Death Valley. And if Alabama loses to LSU in Baton Rouge, yeah, they'll be happy to pay $100,000 or $250,000 or $2.5 million for rushing the field if they beat Alabama. Because that's the, been the big nemesis for Tiger fans is Alabama, and they desperately want to get a win against Alabama in a couple of weeks. All right, here's some news coming from Arkansas as running back Devwat Whaley is going to be out for a while after suffering an ankle injury in the game against Mississippi Saturday night in Little Rock. He was injured midway through the third quarter, and that follows uh, Rakeem Boyd, who was injured in the first half of the game for Arkansas. So they were down to, I think, their third string running back in that game where they blew a great big lead and lost that game to Mississippi over the weekend. And Whaley out until at least November, according to Chad Morris, head coach of the Hogs. Now, the Mississippi Landsharks lost a great player. D.K. Metcalf, one of their talented wide receivers, got injured in this Arkansas game, and he's done for the year. He had a neck injury, and some expected him to be the, this to be his final year in Oxford. He's an Oxford native, actually. His father, Terrence Metcalf, a, an old friend of mine, a former partner of mine, actually, on some business dealings, he is expected to go to the NFL or get a shot. I don't know what this injury is going to mean as a result of what happened in Little Rock over the weekend. But D.K. Metcalf, he's out with a neck injury for the rest of the year, receiver for Mississippi. Now, let's look at a little small college football, if you don't mind. And we had mentioned earlier in the show when we talked about North Carolina and t the Aggies from the MEAC have had a great season. They defeated Jacksonville State to start the year in Montgomery in the FCS kickoff. Jacksonville State, one of the true superpowers of FCS football, 1AA football. And A&T went all the way to Montgomery and pulled off that victory in late August. And then they followed that up by beating the East Carolina Pirates, a American conference team, a, a team from the FBS ranks. And they defeated the Pirates. And then the Pirates went around the next week and defeated the North Carolina Tar Heels. So North Carolina A&T is arguably better than the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, they've had a great season, but they were defeated this past weekend at home to the Florida A&M Rattlers. And the Rattlers now are the best team in the MEAC with that big win in Greensboro over the weekend. In fact, A&T is based in Tallahassee. They had to leave Tallahassee early because of Hurricane Michael coming through. And following their big win over North Carolina A&T, the official athletic department Twitter account for Florida A&M, FAMU, put out a tweet they really shouldn't have, kind of invoking Hurricane Michael into their victory over A&T. I'm not, I'm not going to read it. I don't have it in front of me. You can Google it. It's probably been deleted. It wasn't very, it wasn't very good to send that out, poking fun of the opponent and and you know invoking Hurricane Michael because people were dying and suffering from that. But uh, yeah. Heated rivals there in the MEAC of the FCS ranks. 
Now, the latest FCS coaches poll came out yesterday. No surprise, the Bison of North Dakota State have all the votes for number one. They're 6-0. They had a big win in the Dome at Western Illinois. The Leathernecks, one of the great nicknames in all of college football, the Western Illinois Leathernecks. They won their 34-7 this past weekend. Southern schools in the FCS Top 25, those Kennesaw State Owls continue to impress. Big win at Gardner-Webb, 56-17 over the weekend, and the Owls are 6-1 and and ranked number two in the U.S. of A. The Jacksonville State Gamecocks, we were just talking about them. They went on the road this past week and uh, got a big win. They are 5-1 and and ranked number four. The James Madison Dukes rallied. They lost to Elon the week before, but they came back on the road at Villanova and defeated the Wildcats 37 to nothing. and James Madison now number five. The McNeese State Cowboys are at six. You have the Sam Houston State Bearcats in the top ten at number ten. The Elon Finks, man, I thought they were going to win at Delaware, but they lost that game 28-16, to and Elon now four and two, ranked number 11. They're from Tobacco Road right there in North Carolina. The Wofford Terriers, they lost in a big form to their rival, the Furman Paladins, this past weekend. They dropped eight spots from 4 to 12, and the Terriers now number 12 in the country at 4-2 and two overall. And they nearly beat Wyoming. I didn't realize that until this past weekend. Wyoming, the Cowboys, beat Wofford in the last minute of their game a couple weeks ago. The Towson Tigers are number 14 in the FCS poll. The Central Arkansas Bears are number 15 in the latest poll. Those North Carolina A&T Aggies, they dropped eight spots in the latest FCS poll. They're at number 18. ETSU with a big win at the Citadel this past weekend, and the Bucks ranked number 21. This is a program that was dormant for about 15 years, brought back a couple of years ago. Randy Sanders, longtime Tennessee Vols and Florida State Seminole assistant, is the head coach in Johnson City, and the Bucks are number 21 in the FCS. The Nichols Colonels, they dropped 11 spots after they lost to Abilene Christian 28-12, and the Colonels now rank 22. Those Colonels beat the Kansas Jayhawks earlier in the season. And that is a look at your Southern teams in the FCS ranks in the latest poll. Now, other small college football, I don't often talk about the NAIA, but I happen to be flipping through the television over the weekend, and I stumbled upon the Bethel University Wildcats from McKenzie, Tennessee, and they were on TV against Kentucky Christian, the Knights from Grayson, Kentucky. That's not far from Huntington, West Virginia, near Ashland, Kentucky. And this game was played at Bethel in West Tennessee. Bethel won this game. The Wildcats won 92-12. to It was awful. And, and I know they're good, but it was like men against boys out there. And these are both teams in the NAIA. Now, keep in mind, Kentucky Christian has an enrollment of 500 students. And it takes almost 100 students to make up a football team. So 20% of the student body is on the football team at Grayson, Kentucky's Kentucky Christian University. And uh, they got their butts whooped. It was, it was somewhat interesting to watch because you just like, are they going to get to 100? I mean, I've never seen a game get into the 90s before, and this one got into 92, and they could have really pounded it if they wanted to. Now, the question is, when is, when is it too much, okay? It was obvious they were going to win the game at halftime, and, and Bethel did not slow it down. They didn't put a restrictor plate on their offense, and they kept running the ball, passing the ball, and, and they did mostly running, frankly, in the second half, and Kentucky Christian just couldn't put a stop to them, and it was a dominating win, 80 
point victory, 92-12. to 12. In fact, to kind of add insult to injury, I think that last touchdown Bethel got, they ended up messing something up on the extra point, and they ended up throwing a two-point conversion on that play and got 92 points as a result of a two-point conversion. Now that would make me, if I were on the other sideline, want to run across and do something to the opposing coach, maybe cuss him out. That would be light. But, you know, I don't encourage physical harm. But, yeah, that, that was a little bit tacky, frankly, in some ways. But, hey, they, you know, they're not out there to win by one point. You want to win as much as possible, and that's what happened. The Bethel Wildcats, they're undefeated. I think they're ranked in the number eight in the latest NAIA poll. So, for our listeners who support the Bethel Wildcats, good job, and a big 80-point win over Kentucky Christian. Moving over to the NFL ranks, sad news uh, from Monday as Seattle Seahawks owner and Portland Trailblazers from the NBA owner Paul Allen died at the age of 65. He, of course, co-founder of Microsoft, and his death is very, very tragic for lots of sports fans in the Pacific Northwest as he had had complications from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and died at 65 years old. Paul Allen, owner of the Seattle Seahawks and the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. We keep his family in our thoughts and prayers. He was, I think, worth about $20 billion, if I think I read that right. I looked him up prior to coming on the air. His worth, of course, his old partner, Bill Gates. A little bit more money in the bank for Mr. Gates, but uh, life well lived by Mr. Allen. The Tampa Bay Bucks have fired defensive coordinator Mike Smith. Remember, Smith was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons a couple of years ago, and it was a game against the Falcons on Sunday that the Bucks defense just couldn't hold back the Falcons, and the Dirty Birds got a win, of which the Bucks nearly pulled off a miracle at the buzzer. They had a chance to win, and the lateral went out of bounds at, I think, like the five-yard line, and it could have been a win for Tampa Bay. But Mike Smith fired as the defensive coordinator for Tampa Bay, they gave up too many points, according to the coaching staff there in Tampa, and a change there coming for the Bucks. Now, NFL from Monday night, the Green Bay Packers. Of course, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, the impossible is possible, and that's exactly what they did to the San Francisco 49ers as the Packers rallied, and they got a last-minute touchdown, and they won 33-30 to in a home game at Lambeau Field. And it's quite exciting for the fan base to see that game there. And another epic comeback for Aaron Rodgers. He just continues to do it. And I wish he was quarterbacking my team at times because my team just couldn't get it done this past weekend on a last-second drive. But, hey, that's okay. They actually have a better record, my team, than the Packers. And I know we got a lot of Packer fans listening to us. One of those national teams, the Packers, the Cowboys, Anybody else? I guess the Raiders have a kind of a national audience, and that may be it. Now, I know other teams have a presence in their area that they're from, but just to be nationwide. Steelers. How could I forget the Steelers? Yeah, Steelers are also in that category. Hey, all it takes is go into any area not close to where that NFL team is from, and you'll see people drive around with car flags with the team, like, go to uh, – I was in South Mississippi, and I kept seeing cowboy flags in November of last year. I saw Steeler flags, and that was about it. You didn't see people driving around with Buffalo Bill flags. You didn't see people driving around with New York Jets or New York Giants flags, which 
you would think you might see that because those are in the biggest city in the country. Nope, nope. It's those sort of national teams, the superpowers, Steelers and Raiders, I guess, would be in that category. And, of course, the Cowboys, the awful Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry. I know we got a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans, and they had a big win of against Jacksonville this past weekend. But it's one of those teams that you either love or you hate, and I'm in the hate category when it comes to the boys, okay? NFL this week, week seven begins on Thursday night as the Denver Broncos, who are having a little bit of a struggle this year, and the mile-high mules won't have to go all that far. They'll just trek south a little bit, and they'll go down to Glendale, Arizona, for a game against the 1-5 Arizona Cardinals. And this game will be played. This is news to me. I didn't realize they had a name change at the stadium in Glendale. No longer the University of Phoenix Stadium. It's now known as State Farm Stadium. So Aaron Rodgers ought to do really well when he goes to that game in uh, whenever they play the Packers, assuming they play this year. Still, remember that game the other year, that playoff game? The Cardinals actually beat Green Bay, but a dramatic game that Aaron Rodgers had. Still can't get over that one. One of the great ones in recent history in NFL action. But that's week seven. Again, Denver and Arizona, the early game on Thursday of this week. And finally, in our sports line, yep, for today, a little Major League Baseball action. Last night at Shea Ravine in Los Angeles, the Dodgers fell to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers blanked L.A. 4 to nothing, and now Milwaukee has a 2-1 series lead in this NLCS contest. Now today, you've got Game 3 of the ALCS featuring the Red Sox and Astros. That series nodded at one apiece, and that is a 5:09-4:09 Houston time start between the Sox and the Houston Astros from Minute Maid Park. And then later today, as the Dodgers and Brewers get back together for Game 4, of their series. Again, the Brewers with a 2-1 lead in that. It's going to be Rich Hill for the Dodgers on the mound facing off against Gio Gonzalez of the Brew Crew. And man, if the Brew Crew can get that victory, they'll have a 3-1 edge and coasting into a NLCS. They're first. They Remember, they won the ALCS in the 80s and played in the World Series against the Cardinals, I think, and lost that series, if memory serves me correct. But it'll be their first time as a NLCS champ if they actually pull this series off against Los Angeles at Shea Ravine later. They won't be able to do it tonight. Could be as early as, what, tomorrow night for the fifth game of the series. But Major League Baseball postseason, exciting stuff. Also, what's exciting is Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. He's coming at us next with his barbecue report and some grilling tips. And remember, I'm going to ask him about baked potatoes, the perfect baked potato. Can that go on the grill? We'll find out the secret to that when he joins us next. On the Y'all Show with John Rawl, we'll be right back. We see it every day. They cut you off, and they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. 
Moving expenses? There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. The Y'all Show, talking all things Southern with your host, John Rawl. And, of course, you can reach us anytime here on the program. Our number is 803-816-1170. Call or text that number, 803-816-1170. We welcome any input you may have, compliment, maybe a tip. And if you have a food-related tip, we certainly welcome those, and especially if it's a barbecue-related tip, because chances are our guy that we're about to bring on knows about it already, but in case you know something, he you just might have one up on him, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue would certainly appreciate any and all input here on the Y'all Show, 803-816-1170. And we're going to bring on the barrister of Bodacious Q to the show right now, Mr. Matt Hermans. Hello, Matt. How are you? I am good. How are you, sir? That's the most important I, question. I am doing great, and I'm ready to talk barbecue and whatever else well, you find to be interesting. Well, I like I like the way you set that up because you know we're going to talk about other things, okay? So we <laughs> we got co- we got college football going on, and uh, then we're going to talk about another sport momentarily. But uh, got to give some love to you. I was tuning in last Thursday night on the big screen. And I happened to see a, a school called Texas Tech playing TCU, and what a great win for the Red Raiders last week. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was, uh, I wouldn't say that was that was expected either. I mean, uh, Texas Tech is working with a third-string quarterback and uh, kind of a mash unit on the offensive line. And a 6'6 wide receiver went down with an injury in the first uh, quarter, so you don't really... You don't really hear about it very often, but the, the Tech defense has improved, and it uh, it won the game. The Tech, the Tech, you, th- you never think I'd be saying this, but the Texas Tech defense won that game uh, by basically just making it uh, really hard on that TCU offense. 
Well, you talked about a third-string quarterback playing for the Red Raiders in this game. Let's keep in mind that uh, Texas Tech this year had to start a whole new quarterback system because there's a guy named Patrick Mahomes that's playing for the Kansas City Chiefs right now who was quarterbacking in Lubbock last year. So you really had a complete reboot of the quarterback system here in 2018, and you came down to a third stringer who got the job done last week. Yeah, that's uh, um, yeah, Patrick uh, Mahomes. He's he's, uh, he's doing okay in the NFL, I'd say uh, at this point. But yeah, that's uh, uh, the the third string guy. That I think that Cliff is Cliff Kingsbury, being the head coach, has had some. He's had his ups and downs for sure. Uh, but I think you saw a little bit of his kind of offensive uh, prowess there, basically completely. Uh, remaking the offense for that particular game. Uh, Jet Duffy's certainly not a guy who's going to sit back there and make accurate throws and things like that. Uh, that was pretty clear, but he's got some legs, and uh, so Cliff decided to uh, run the ball and kind of uh, tone down the, the passing game, uh, run the clock, and it worked out. It, again, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it worked out great with the way the defense was playing, kind of all came together, but I think that showed uh, a level of flexibility that I think he's got that, that, that is something good about him. Big 12 barrister of bodacious barbecue is what I'm going to start calling you here. Hey, it sounds like you're at Amon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth right now. I hear a train in the background. Hey, are you there? <laughs> no, no. And I, you know what? Uh, I forgot what the train sounded like. I didn't hear it too much on Thursday night. But uh, That's yeah. what they do when they score a touchdown, right? Yep. I know, yeah, they have a... Uh, it looks like, well, it doesn't really look like a frog. It's, it's a purple thing that is a, I guess it's supposed to be a frog. It's basically just a giant train horn. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it is, it is loud. It is loud. I mean, it's uncomfortably loud. It's yeah. Well, they have that. Yeah. At, at Georgia Tech's got a whistle that kind of sounds like a train, but it's actually from their tech tower. Really? So, yeah, some yeah, of these schools have you. their little novelty when they score touchdowns, but I guess we didn't hear a lot of that train last week. So, how about it today here on the Y'all Show? Well, Matt, we also have postseason baseball going on, and the Strohs and the Red Sox tied at one game apiece. You also have that same thing going on. Well, the Milwaukee got a win last night, so they've got a two-to-one advantage over the Dodgers right now. So got baseball going on. We talked about that last week on the show. And in the spirit of baseball, can I throw you a curveball? Absolutely. All right. Now, I have just found a restaurant here in the South that I enjoy going to. It's actually a barbecue restaurant, but they have a specialty that is something that literally, when I stopped by it the other day, there were about eight cars wrapped around the building in the drive-thru, and then when I went in, there must have been 15 people standing in line, and it was on a Thursday. So what in the world would bring people out at a kind of odd time on a Thursday? And it turns out, that Thursdays are baked potato special night at this restaurant. And it's, and I love wow. their baked potatoes. They have a great big baked potato with all kind of fixings on it. And when I was enjoying and, and chowing down on my baked potato, I thought of you, sir. And my question is, is it... Is that because, is that because I'm shaped a little bit like a potato? No, no, it's from... It's because you're, <laughs> you're from Idaho. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh what is the etiquette on baked potatoes and the grill? Is it okay to use it on a grill? Is, it, is that overkill? What does the barrister do when it comes to baked potatoes? You may even hate them. Who knows? 
<laughs> well, I will tell you this. Um, I'm not a big baked potato guy, but my wife likes baked potatoes, and, and my family kind of growing up likes them. My dad, funny you bring it up, my dad always did them on the grill. Okay. Um, I knew yeah, you would have so something he, to say about it. So, Absolutely. So what he would usually what he would do is the key about the baked potato is uh, you don't obviously want to grill the baked potato. When I say grill, I'm, of course, I'm talking about direct heat over fire because that will – obviously just burn the outside of it and you got a you got a potato that feels like an apple inside but what you want to do is you want to cook it indirect like you would any other type of large piece of barbecue meat uh you want to get it away from the fire if you've got a gas grill you want to keep them on the other side where the where the where the burner is not you got a charcoal grill you want to keep it far away from the uh the charcoal on one side if you've got a smoker you you already got that covered because you, you're you're uh your heat's already away from it but yeah you can cook a you can do a baked potato on a on a grill or a smoker just like you would in the oven, um, for sure. What what I used to do is rub it with a little bit of oil and uh, some uh, kosher salt or uh, yeah, that's the yeah the flaky salt. Uh, wrap it in foil and put it on your grill. You you cook it basically at the same temperature you would in the uh, uh, in the oven. I think the skin uh, has a has a kind of unique texture. You always want that kind of that crispy. Um, kind of flaky paper-like uh, skin on a baked potato, and that really does a good job. So, heck yeah, you can absolutely put baked potatoes on the on the smoker or the grill. It, it turns out pretty good. You're such a minch. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> now, let me ask you, can you cook it while you're also cooking your barbecue ribs or burgers, or, or is the heat for that too much? No, no, if you've got space. It's all about, it's all about having room for the potatoes. Um, and keeping them far away from the heat because, uh, of course, you want that indirect oven-type heat as opposed to direct. So, uh, you know, depending on the side of your, size of your grill or the size of your smoker, absolutely, you got room for it. You know, put them next to the ribs. Put them next to the shoulder. Uh, put them next to the brisket you got on there. And, uh, yeah, and then you can, you can make yourself a barbecue baked potato at the end of that. Yeah, that's one thing. Of course, I told you I got this. Uh, baked potato last week at a barbecue restaurant and there are certain barbecue restaurants that do baked potatoes quite well and oftentimes yeah. you have that option of putting q on the baked potato so is that Absolutely. is that blasphemy to mix no 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 that if, you, if you're going to get me to eat a baked potato um it better have a half pound of pork or something on it for sure because that's uh, uh you know that's that's the only way i would eat it that's the only way i like it yeah but you load it up Shoot, you get that potato smashed up, and you get get that barbecue on top, a little barbecue sauce, maybe sour cream, stuff like that. I mean, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> All right, Minch. Uh, yeah, I, and, and I guess you don't have to cook it quite as long as your other meat that you might have on the grill. Oh no, 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 no. You yeah, no, you won't. You don't have to cook it. No, not even close. So if you've got a you got a pork shoulder or a brisket or even ribs. I mean, you're you're talking anywhere from four and a half to 10, 12, 14 hours. You know, those baked potatoes, depending on your heat, mm-hmm. um, it's all about how hot your grill is. You've got to, of course, adjust for that. But uh, no, it's going to take you 20, 30, 40 minutes, depending on how how hot your smoker is or how hot the grill is. Now, would you wrap so, that? Would you wrap it in foil, or you put it up there naked? No, I would. I would wrap it in foil. I would. Uh, I would. Uh, Coat it with a little bit of oil. Okay. Uh, put some salt around the edge because the salt will. Co- the reason you put co- salt is not kosher to, salt. Let's make sure you get that in there. Salt. Yeah. Only the only reason I say that. I mean, salt <laughs> is kind of salt, but 
it's it's bigger, so you, you're you're not going to over salt it because uh, you can kind of see those flakes on there. And what you all the salt's going to really do to the skin of the potato is suck the moisture out to give you kind of that papery skin. That that you're not flavoring the potato. You're you're basically salting it to where it, it sucks any moisture out from around the edge and you get that kind of skin that you want. So okay. And again, the big word I heard when you were discussing all this is space. Space, the space. final frontier. Right. And is that what <laughs> President Trump keeps talking about when he talks about space force? It's not about going up to the moon again. It's about making yeah. space on the grill for making things like baked potatoes. Absolutely. And I can't, I, I got to tell you, I, I have no idea about the, uh, the atmosphere on the moon and how that would affect uh, a baked potato or making barbecue. I mean, if we ever start going up there, uh, I would like to be the first one to, to kind of zero gravity <laughs> smoke. That would be interesting, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, you know, there's probably an environmentalist here back on Earth that would keep you from bringing pollutants like smoke to the moon. Uh, that's, yeah, that's true. I'd, I'd have to sna- I'd have to uh, strap the meat down to the grate as well to kind of counteract that. That's that right. Zero gravity floaty thing they got going up there. Yep. We're talking with Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. We will take a little time out and get our grill fired up. And during the break, when we come back, Matt is going to tell us about a place he recommends going as he continues his barbecue odyssey across Dixie. Matt, can you give me just like a one-word hint of where we're going to be spotlighting barbecue joints after the break? Yes, sir. Well, it's known as the Bluff City. A lot of people can get that right off. All right. Bluff City is our tip of where we're going to be going with Mr. Herman's on the other side as we continue the Y'all Show here on a Tuesday. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Belinda Collins, live on the scene of a recent lightning storm. Here to describe the event, a TV tray. I was watching football and holding a plate of meatloaf when kabam! A bolt of lightning slams into the apartment, blowing out the TV and surround sound. Anything you could have done to help? Ma'am, I'm a foldable table, not an electrician. Your TV tray can't help you in a lightning storm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Go to geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of a pouring rain. WC Handy, won't you look down over me? Cause I've got a first class ticket and I'm blue as a boy can be. Walking in Memphis. Appropriate music here on this Tuesday edition as we wind down the show. This is the Y'all Show, the show all about the South with your host, John Raw. We got Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, back, and we are talking barbecue now in the South. And Matt generally tries to tell us great places in the region to go to to check out good Q and good food. And Matt, that song there probably is a little extra tip of where we're going to be going this week. And tell us where we're going to Spotlight Barbecue this week. Well, John, we're kind of 
if you've been following the show, I know a lot of people have. We have made kind of a loop around the South. We've gone from Arkansas down to Texas all the way across to Georgia into Florida. And then last week we did North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, without without uh, being disrespectful to any of the delicious Southern barbecue states we're talking about, I think there's a couple places in the South that you would consider to be kind of barbecue uh, headquarters or um, capitals. Well, I think Memphis is one of those places, so I figure we go back. There's ah, the Blood City. To talk about it there. I figure we go back um, and, and talk a little bit about Memphis Barbecue again. Is that all right with you? You know, we'll let it slide. Okay. All right. Well, then, let's. Uh, I picked three places today. and I, I'm very uh, very familiar with Memphis. I've been lived there for a while and eaten at every barbecue place <laughs> I can think of. But yes, you did. I, I, chose, I did, and I, I, I chose three places today because they're kind of they're all different. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're all Memphis style, but they're, they're different in different ways. So one of them is interesting and you're going to, people who are from that area are going to probably uh, be taken aback when I talk about Tops barbecue, because it's a chain there in that region. There are several of them throughout the, the mid South area there. Um, but they have a, they, they've got a unique uh, kind of cooking process. And the reason I mentioned that is because, they do. It's a fat. You think of it as like a fast food barbecue place, which it's really not. It's just kind of a, a chain. But the interesting thing about Tops is that they have an indoor pit. Each one of them has an indoor pit with a brick chimney coming out of the place, mm-hmm. and they use uh, they use green hickory wood. Which, of course, when I say green hickory, uh, I'm not talking about the color. I'm talking about uh, it's hickory wood that is still fresh it has not been dried out for uh, you know a year or so basically most of the wood that people use when they're smoking and barbecuing uh, is dry wood brown wood is you want all the moisture out of it because it creates a different smoke and it it burns better things like that but at tops they use green hickory wood and it creates a specific mild kind of flavor on all their meats now Tops is also known for the burgers. I think a lot of people in Memphis love the burgers. I, I will raise my hand and say they do have a very good hamburger <laughs> and very good sweet tea there as well. Absolutely, I agree with I agree with that as well. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, but they do ribs. They 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 do uh, full racks or half racks. Um, they're all spare ribs. They don't do baby backs. I, I tend to I like both, but I tend to like a good spare rib. It's a little more difficult to cook, but. The green hickory wood has a unique flavor. Uh, they have their own rub, which is just slightly sweet. Uh, they do not sauce the ribs, uh, or, or nor do they offer sauce. Uh, well, they have a sauce that you can put on your barbecue sandwich. They do not have a rib-specific sauce. They do not base it on. They don't ask you about it. They basically give you uh, give you a rack of ribs that's been kind of glazed with a sweet rub, so it's slightly sweet. Fairly, fairly simple, but uh, they're all, they always tend to be cooked pretty well um, at Tops. And like I say, that green hickory, it's worth a stop. If you're ever in Memphis and you see a Tops next to you, it's definitely worth a stop. You may think it's kind of a fast food quickie joint, but again, they got the real pit in there. And, and I think it's unique. I think it's a pretty cool spot. That's so the, the buzzword there, when in Memphis and you see a Tops, make sure to stops. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a cool spot. Um, that that's tops. I wanted to talk about that green hickory wood because that's right. a unique thing. 
The other place I'm going to go, and I'm going to surprise people um, because this is a famous joint. I'm not going to surprise it by covering it. Everybody's, everybody we talked about Memphis Barbecue talked about the Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. But the Rendezvous um, is not, you can think I'm crazy when I say this, it's not barbecue. Their ribs are not, they're not barbecue. And the reason I say that, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying it's a great place. I, I do, I like the Rendezvous, but it is, it is not barbecue in the sense that this is not, these, these ribs are not smoked indirectly, low and slow, um, which is kind of the definition of what barbecue is. In fact, it is, the, the rendezvous has charcoal pits, but they're essentially like grills, and the ribs are stacked uh, kind of, for, I guess, vertically um, in these small charcoal pits, and they're cooked direct. They're essentially cooked directly um, like you're grilling them. Now, of course, it's not exactly, uh, it's a little bit different from using just a straight grill, which you would basically put a piece of meat down over fire because it's heavily insulated and they do shut the door. So you've got an intense high heat kind of circulating in there. But uh, they use plain charcoal and they cook directly over these coals. So I, when I say it's not barbecue, it is not barbecue as defined by cooking low, slow, indirect with smoke. Hmm. It's simply not done that way. It's very, very unique. As far as I know, um, and I've, I've done about every every piece of research I could do by eating everything I could get my hands on there. The only place in Memphis that really cooks uh, the ribs like that, which makes it terribly unique. Uh, and I wouldn't even, I would classify their, their, their grilling or their cooking method as basically rendezvous style. Nobody else does it that way. But um, they have their own rub. Um, it's very charcoal heavy, the flavor. The ribs have their own kind of texture. It's almost kind of a, the skin is almost papery, uh, almost like a baked potato skin. Um, very unique. Uh, no sauce, of course. It's dry rub. The dry rub's very, uh, pretty tasty dry rub. It's very herbal. It's not sweet at all. It's very savory. So that's pretty, pretty straight up Memphis style. But it's a very unique rib. I always tell people going to Memphis, if they're going to go to the rendezvous, to, to think about something different. Do not think about the barbecue you've had before or even any other place in Memphis, think about it as something totally different, totally different texture, totally different flavor, totally different cook method, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's and a really it's cool spot. Totally different kind of experience there with the white staff and stuff. It's just a really classic place. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. All right. Really what's cool. going to be our final of three places in Memphis we're going to talk about? I'm going to I'm gonna stop at the an old classic, and that's Corky's. And ah. That's kind of... I went from the fast food with the with the uh, Tops. green hickory wood to the unique rendezvous cook, and then Corky's is kind of a straight up Memphis style. Um, so I, I, there's only one Corky's that I've gone to. I think there's only one Corky's that, that I would go to, and that's the original, okay. uh, which is in East Memphis on Poplar. Um, I know they have multiple locations. Uh, in fact, they're about to put one in in Houston, which is interesting. Um, not open yet, but it, they're they're expanding, I guess, far and wide. But um, Corky's is very traditional uh, Memphis barbecue. It's kind of one of these places that uh, if you looked it up in an encyclopedia of barbecue and you say Memphis barbecue, specifically ribs, uh, you're going to see probably Corky's ribs. They're cooked in a uh, indirectly in a large uh, charcoal and hickory pit. They use hickory wood and they use hickory coals, um, and they basically determine the heat. Uh, it's not a it's not a side smoke type thing. It's basically a rectangular pit where they determine the heat by how far the meat is above the coal and wood, which is kind of a traditional Memphis-style way to cook barbecue. 
they also finish. Uh, you can get them wet or dry, or you can get them muddy. Have you ever heard of muddy? No, I haven't. What in the world is that? Muddy is uh, it's kind of a Memphis thing. It's basically a light uh, coating of barbecue sauce, and then the dry rub topping on top of that. So it kind of makes a kind of a muddy feel. Um, kind of the best of both worlds if you like sauce and you like the dry rub topping. And of course, when we talk about the dry rub topping in Memphis, it means you cook the meat without rub, and then you put the rub on at the end, and it kind of coats the top of it like a reddish, savory, herbal kind of a powder to where it mixes with the pork fat that's coming out of the ribs. And then when you eat it, it's, it's a, it is a, dry, uh, is a dry topping on a smoked rib, and that is, that is unique uh, to, to the Memphis-style rib. Usually you put a rub on, you cook it with the rub, it goes into the meat, creates a crust. And then you can top it with sauce or leave it leave it plain. But uh, in Memphis, it means you cook the rib, then you add the dry rub at the very end, and it is a, is a unique thing. Corky's does it. Uh, their rub is, is pretty straightforward. It's, a, it's, it's red. It's paprika-based. It's salty. It's got some herbs in there. It's almost not sweet at all. Hmm. Uh, that is an experience that you will – people who are unfamiliar with Memphis ribs typically think about a, a slightly sweet uh, rib, which is, which is pretty common throughout the South, but – uh, Corky's, it's, it's straightforward Memphis rib. They do babies, not spares. Um, so uh, you will go in and you will get a brightly colored powdery rib with a deep hickory and charcoal flavor. Great texture. They're always very juicy. They're delicious. They also do a pork uh, pork shoulder that's, that's pretty solid as well. Uh, but I think the reason to go to Corky's would be to get the dry ribs or the muddy ribs. I think uh, either way, they're pretty good. So All right. That, you got the three different versions there, and then we end with the uh, kind of the classic Memphis style. But each one of those places would be worth a stop. They're very different. Again, you got Tops, you have Rendezvous, the legendary place in downtown Memphis, and then Corky's, which is good news there is if you don't get to Memphis, there are Corky's restaurants across the South, even coming to Memf- uh, coming to Houston rather pretty soon. That's great news. Good inside information from the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. Matt Hermans. Well, thank you, sir. Great report as always. And let's not forget, this is your second time going to Memphis to Spotlight Barbecue. So if people are like, golly, I can't believe this guy didn't mention this place and this place. Real quick, remind people of the two places I know you talked about on your first Memphis visit. I think it was what, Central Barbecue? Central and Cozy Corner. Cozy Corner. All right. So we, we've already covered those. Go to the Y'all Show archives and hear about that. And we're not done talking Memphis barbecue with Mr. Hillman's. It's just well, not going to be today. We're going to postpone Memphis Q Talk till an uh, episode down the road. How's that sound? That sounds great. All Absolutely. Right. And i got to go get me some muddy barbecue. All right. Matt Hillman's, <laughs> thank you. Have a great rest of your day, sir. You too. Appreciate it. All right. And that will conclude our y'all show here on this Tuesday. Again, reminder, we've got ACC football talk coming up on the Wednesday show and plenty of good country music conversation with Precious Harris. Thanks for tuning us in. You've been listening to y'all talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Rawl. We see it every day. They cut you off, and they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. 
Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th. Only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful.